Thank you, ladies. Jesus came so that we could come to him uh, and come to the Father. What a beautiful song for this Christmas season. Uh, I've received a, a few more words from Belize uh, I'd like to share with you. Good things are happening down there. Uh, we have a guest speaker with us this morning, Candace Morton, and I've, I'm meaning to introduce her, but there are other things, I think, to prepare our hearts for this just for a moment. Um, about two years ago in a staff meeting, uh, a word came to the staff that uh, I can't understand any other way than the Spirit speaking it. It overwhelmed us. Uh, we couldn't speak for several hours. Um, and the word was adoption. I haven't a clue what that means. Uh, but God spoke it profoundly. And I've had my ear open ever since. Uh, if that had been meant for me and Cheryl, I'm sure that would have happened at home. I, I, I don't know how to apply that. It's simply overwhelming. But when I hear statistics of the thousands of kids in Oklahoma who don't have a home, I wonder what God may be up to there. Uh, we've had couples in and out of our church from time to time that have adopted and have fostered kids, and I think that's one of the most courageous things any, any couple can do. But I also think it's something that the Lord delights in. I was sitting there just a moment ago, and I tried to think of all the people in the Bible who had surrogate parents. No insignificant people like Moses, Esther, Samuel, Jesus, and God still delights in that kind of care, I think. Every time we go down to Belize, God does something that we didn't anticipate. He's done multiplication miracles time and time again. Maybe you've heard of those stories. The time we didn't have enough food and the ladle just kept doling it out for the next 30 or 40 kids. The time we didn't have enough supplies for VBS and Russ Simmons just handi kept handing out one more out of the bag and one more out of the bag when they were, should have been exhausted. The time we were building a bunk bed for a family and there were no more long boards. And every time we went back to the pile, there was another last long board. This time, as they've gone from house to house, and they've built this house, they've been gathering their receipts. They already have receipts for more money than they took, and they still have money. God provides. I can't explain that, but I know God delights to empower his people to live out his heart towards others in this world, especially when it comes to those who uh, are marginalized, those like the Circle of Care cares for. The Circle of Care is a, a, a collection of ministries, really, uh, of the United Methodist Conference that are now functioning in many different ways. There's, there's children's homes, and today one of those ministries that we're wanting to hear about is called uh, Child Share. Candace Morton is the Circle of Care Family Specialist and the Tulsa Child Share Coordinator for this area. And she's going to fill us in on just what that picture looks like and 
uh, I hope through her the Spirit will start to stir our hearts for uh, ways that, that, that we might get involved in being part of the solution for so many children who need care and yet are, are struggling to find uh, those to give it. Uh, Candace has been with the Circle of Care uh, and those ministries actually at Francis Willard Home in the past, starting 14 years back, but for 10 years she's been involved in, in child share. She has two toddlers of her own. Her uh, husband, Brandon, a friend of mine, is uh, also uh, uh, in ministry. He's a, a youth minister uh, in Cleveland. Is that right? Cleveland, Oklahoma? And, uh, and uh, Candace comes this morning to share her heart, and really God's heart, uh, for, these, for these kids. Would you, with me, give an abiding harvest welcome to Candace Morton this morning? This morning, if you'll listen to the words that God brings from my mouth as a missionary heart, this morning it will it will be a blessing to me to be able to share with you. Um, I have had the privilege to go to many churches. I've been here before, and I love to share the stories of this wonderful blessings I see in the ministry that God's allowed me to be a part of. Circle of Care has been an impact in my life in a great way as I watch the children and the families that we serve in the many years that I've been with us. As Chris mentioned, we have the United Methodist Children's Home in Tahlequah, the United Methodist Boys Ranch in Gore, Oklahoma. We have our Holsinger Home in Enid, and the Francis Willard Ministry Center in Tulsa is now the Pearl's Hope Program, as well as the Child Share Offices for this part of the state. The, if you're not aware, the Pearl's Hope Ministry is helping women who have children that are finding themselves homeless for whatever reason. Sometimes it's the breadwinner of the home walked away and left them without any help and sometimes it's a matter of um, the landlord did not pay the mortgage and so the rent that was covering their part of their home now is no longer making the home available because the home has been foreclosed on none fault to the families but they're left waiting for what are we going to do now because the rent that they used was stretching from month to month and they don't have a first and last month to go somewhere else so we've had that blessing to see these families come in and just be welcomed and loved on. And whenever they leave, we leave the, let them move out with everything they need to furnish their new home. They're not left wondering how they're going to make ends meet. We make sure they're stable in our community. I came with my heart to share about childhood this morning. As Chris mentioned, I've been with this ministry for 10 years now. And... Um, I held back tears as he shared from his heart this morning because that's my heart as well. We as a church have got to do something. Um, may not follow my slideshow this morning because I'm just going to let the Lord lead here this morning. But um, if you'll go with me to the Matthew 25:40, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to it, or you can read it on the screen with me. But this is a verse that I find dear. It says, "Please read it with me." The King will reply. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these, brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So I have lots of stories to share with you of those that are doing that very thing, caring for the least of these. Will you be the hands that God, hands and feet for God? I know that God has given you 
a ministry. He has given you a blessing or a talent or a gift, whatever you want to call it. He has given you a purpose. And I ask, how can you turn that to be used by the Lord for our children in Oklahoma? We have, this is a staggering number, 11,000 children in Oklahoma. 11,000 children in Oklahoma that are in foster care. Whether it be that they're with a family member, maybe a long-distance relative, or it's a, a total stranger's home, but they're in care because of some kind of neglect or abuse. I have so many stories I've heard of the years of the children coming into care, but one little story tell, uh, is recent, and I'd like to share it with you. One of our couples at Saints, um, excuse me, at Southern Hills United Methodist in Tulsa called me just a couple months ago and said, Candace, do you by chance have some extra clothes for a newborn girl? And I said, yes, we do. And I said, what's going on? She said, well, I know we've told you for years we're not going to foster, but God changed our minds. <laughs> this is an older couple. They have a grandchild of their own, their daughter, uh, actually another one on the way, and they have taken in a little girl to be part of their family. The lady, Katie is her name, she works at the local community bank, uh, food bank, and had met this teenage mom whenever she came in with her father one day for needing some food. They were, she was pregnant, they were desperate, and they came into the food bank. And um, Katie said, it just broke my heart. And it built a relationship with her because she returned. She came back again. And whenever we found out they had no bed for the child, my husband and I went to go purchase a pack and play so we could take it to their house so that they would have somewhere to put the baby when they brought her from the hospital. She told me, Candace, when we walked in that house, I was so disgusted, not at this woman, but at the condition she was living in. She said, a cockroach would not live in this house. I said, you've told me enough. <laughs> I don't need to know more. But she said, it just broke my heart. And so she said, I kept the relationship. I kept checking on her. We found out she had the baby. We we're super excited. We went to visit. And then after they left the hospital, we were worried about how she was going to continue to feed the baby. She was coming to get help from us for just before she had the baby, but how is she going to continue to feed the baby? The formula is expensive, and how is she going to do those things? She kept the relationship open, and one day she got a call. Just when the baby was only 10 days old, the baby was back in the hospital, and DHS had intervened. It was time to take custody of this little girl, 10 days old, and she needed a home. And the foster worker worker said, Will you please be her foster parents? And Katie says, I can't do that. I'm not, I'm not young enough to raise an infant. And she said, please talk to your husband. Please consider this. I really need you to consider this. There's no home for this child. And Katie hung up the phone, and she talked to her husband, and she said, sweetie, what do we do? And he says, we can't do that. We're too old. And she says, but they're telling me there's no home for this child, and we know the home that she came from. What are we going to do? How are we going to help? And they both called the worker back and they said, we're sorry, we just can't do that right now in our lives. It's just too much. But let us know how other ways we can help. A few hours later, they called the worker back and said, we changed our mind. Please bring her over. They hurried over to Walmart and got the basics to get them through. And then they called me at Child Share. My job is to support, recruit and support foster families. And we have lots of resources to do that. And I'll get into that more in just a moment. But we made sure they have those resources to take care of that little girl. I'll finish the rest of that story in just a moment. But I'm going back to the need. We have 11,000 children in Oklahoma. I wish I could tell you specifically the number in this county right here. 
but DHS's website doesn't keep those statistics very current. But if you do want to look back at the last six months or so, they can tell you by about the numbers per county. Homes are needed desperately. Not just a home, though, a family. A Christian home, a, ch a family to wrap their arms around this child, raise them up, and let them be a child of God, to teach them that you are wanted, that you are loved, not just by us, but by our Heavenly Father. You are special. You are loved. One of my friends at my last church before we moved to Cleveland brought a little boy over to church with her. She was hosting him from the um, shelter for the weekend. She had been volunteering for many years and built a relationship with this one little boy. He was very wiggly in church on Sunday morning. And they happened to sit right in front of me, and during the welcome, I greeted him, and I was so excited to talk to him, and he just wanted to know all about the church, and he was about eight years old. And all during church, he kept turning around and peeking at me, and I'd wave, and he'd look at me again, and I'd go, shh. And he was just really interested in watching around the church, and it dawned on me, this made been his only experience in church. And how special was it to be able to give him that love, to be able to invite him to our church and be a part of our church. So whenever we got through church service, he had whispered to Kathy, my friend, and she turned around me at the end of service. She said, he wants me to know he likes you. She said, you made him feel special. And I thought, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I want every child to feel special and loved. And then so I ask you, what gift, what talent do you have what has God given you to make a difference for a child? I know some of you are looking at me going, okay, Candace, those are wonderful stories, but not me. I can't do it. And so I say there is a way. So let's go forward. If you'll look at this, we have, whoops. It starts with just one. In the state of Oklahoma, we have so many churches that if every church had one family that would step forward and be a foster family, we would have enough homes for all of the children in Oklahoma. Isn't that unreasonable? I mean, I mean, unbelievable? That's very reasonable. One family in every church for every child we would have enough. Now, some of our kiddos come with many siblings, as you can imagine. When I went to St. Stephen's just a few weeks ago, one of my families came with me, and there were nine children in tow with her, single foster mom, and she has adopted seven of them now. And they were all there, and it was a blessing to let them, their faces smiling, happy to see what we can do to show that you can do this too. There's a ministry called the 111 Project. You might have heard about it, but basically that's their philosophy. One church, one home, one child. And we are joining partnership with them. We are working on not just the Methodist churches, which has been our greatest supporting of Circle of Care, but all churches that are of Christian belief to be able to recruit, because not all children are Methodist. If you will um, take a moment with me to look at what are the steps that it takes to become a foster parent. I'll go over this briefly, because I know not everybody's ready to sign on today. Maybe. <laughs> First of all, it starts with prayer. If you have God tugging at your heart, there's a reason. It may not be to be the foster parent, but you are to be a part of this process. Remember, if one family in this church would step forward, we can make a huge impact. Then to get through the, I want to give you a brief overview of what it takes to become a foster parent because you hear about a lot of negative stories in the news. That's what we hear more on the news than not, is more negative than positive. And Everybody asks me, how can they become foster parents? I mean, does anybody get to become a foster parent? And I said, well, you know, at Circle Care, we do a very thorough investigation of a family. But yes, they can slip through the cracks. 
and thankfully at Circle Care we've found very quality families, and that's because we search in our churches for those that will step forward. But there's an application process where you fill out a whole bunch of paperwork. If you've ever bought a house, it's going to seem like nothing compared to what you do for foster care. <laughs> and then there's the background checks. We do a fingerprint check and a regular background checks. And then we want to work with you on what we call the home study. That's where myself or another staff member come to you and we interview your entire family in the household and just write a summary. If you look at it on paper, it's like a term paper about you. And we turn that in for DHS to review so that they get to know you without actually having to come to your home. So we look at how you were raised, how you discipline, how's your marriage, um, what kind of you know, home do you have for children in your household. And then there's the training requirements. If you go through it the traditional way that GHS used to do it, it's 27 hours. It's still 27 hours of curriculum, but we've made our classes much smaller so we don't have 45 people in a class, and that has made our time more expedited. It still takes a long time to get through it, but we work hard to work with family schedules. Then the next thing is waiting for the right fit. We understand that as soon as you're certified, you're ready to take a kid. But sometimes I say, slow down. God has got the perfect match. And I have a great story to give that example. There's a family in Jinx that I've worked with, and they were super excited. They had come up here to Tulsa, or Jinx area, had been in Bartlesville before and had a job transfer that brought them here. In Bartlesville, they were doing what they call respite care, which is babysitting for a foster family. And um, whenever they were at Target one afternoon, Diana was at Target one afternoon, and one of my other foster families was there because the child they'd taken in the night before had no shoes. And so they had put on some flip-flops for their own daughter on this little girl that they were taking to the store, but they had to go find some that really fit her. And so Diana and Molly ran into each other at the store, and the two girls were with Molly, and Diana bumped into one of the little girls, and she is as friendly as Molly is, but she said, oh, who's your si what's your sister's name? And Molly's daughter looks at Molly and goes, Mom, what's her name? <laughs> She's like... So Molly was so flustered. She goes, sorry. She goes, this is our special friend. We just invited into our home. And Diana knew immediately what she was talking about. She goes, oh, I've done that too. Who do you work with here in Tulsa? And that's how our word of mouth gets spread a lot of times is just foster families talking to other foster families. But we've built in a mentor program where those foster families encourage those that are brand new. So you have those questions you're not sure who to ask. That mentor can help answer those questions. So Diana goes through the process with her family. She has two young children, and she, her husband, they decided to that God was calling them to do this full-time, not just respite. And Molly and her husband and family are encouraging her all the way, you can do this. God's got a plan. This is going to be something special. So we get the first call after they're certified, and after talking with Diana, she's the stay-at-home mom, so she takes all the, the phone calls. But after talking with Diana, she says, Candace, my heart is just telling me no. And I said, okay, I respect that. She goes, this is breaking my heart. You're calling me about a two-year-old that needs a home. But God is saying no. And I said, that's okay. I respect that. I know God is telling you this for a reason. When they signed up, they had a heart to help children that, had medical, that were considered medically fragile. That means they have a medical condition that makes it very difficult to find a foster home for them. Morris and Diana had experience with that in their past. And so they knew that they could help care for a child like this. And so whenever we said no to this child, it just she, she really grieved over all night long. And she said, Lord, I know you have a purpose for this, but please show me what it is. The next morning I called her so excited. I said, Diana, guess what? She goes, what? And she goes, we have a, I said, we have a brand new baby that's coming out of the NICU unit, born 20 weeks 
gestation that's halfway through a pregnancy. He was coming out of the NICU unit with a heart condition and he needed a home. And she said, I'll take him. <laughs> she knew immediately this was the child God was wait, having her wait for. So I respect when families say, this is not a good fit, we need to wait. Or God is saying, this is not the right one. And it is the hardest thing to do because you know there's 11,000 children out there. But God is calling you to take care of one or more. <laughs> um, that little guy has been in their home. He's now off his heart monitor. He's gaining weight. He's doing excellent. We're so very excited to have him be part of our circle of care. But Diana calls me regularly. She says, Candace, what are we going to do about this child? We're in this to foster. We don't know what we're going to do about whenever this child needs an adoptive home. This child is starting to bond with us, and we want him to be healthy and have healthy attachments. But what's going to happen whenever he is with us and then they move him to another foster home or another adoptive home because we can't do this forever. And I said, well, I don't know, Diana. God's got that planned. Right now, we're thinking that this child will return to his family, um, that his mom will be able to step up and do the required things to get him back home. But if that doesn't work out, she said, we need an adoptive home for him. And I said, yes, you're right. She goes, that's not what we signed on for. I said, I know, but God will provide that. So one of the things when I'm out speaking is not to encourage people to foster so you can find your adoptive match, but sometimes when you foster, there's a child that won't go back to family members or back to their home that they came from, and they will need a forever family. So will you consider doing that? And then there's others that say, man, Candace, my heart is to adopt, but I just cannot consider the fact of loving on a child and then letting them go. We just, that would just tear me up. And I said, that's okay. We need you too. We need you to adopt, especially if you're willing to take an older child. I can't tell you how many times I've been to the shelter. It's filled with older children. Last year, DHS made a rule, no child under five in the shelter. They're to go immediately to a foster home. And that's where most of our children take up a lot of our beds and our older children are waiting. And I'm not talking about 17-year-old kids. I'm talking about 8, 10, 12-year-olds that are waiting on a home. I called my friend that works at the shelter. I said, okay, I'm getting ready to go do some speaking engagements. This was end of the month last month. And I said, I need to know what's going on with your world. And she said, Candace, I've had three children here between 8 and 10 years old that have been here all summer long waiting on a foster home. And it broke my heart, but I said, yes, I know that's very real, Susan. I will be sure to spread the word. My first experience of going to the shelter to pick up a child to put in one of our foster homes, I met two boys. The boy that we were taking home to our foster home was four years old. He had this stuffed frog that he wouldn't turn loose of. We finally got him to put him in the bath of the washing machine. But his friend that he had been playing with in the gym while we were filling out the paperwork came to the office as well. And he said, excuse me, ma'am, to my foster mom that was there with me. And she said, yes. And he says, do you have a bed for me at your house? And she, tears in her eyes, said, no, I'm sorry, I don't. I just have this bed. He said, okay, thank you. And he stood, kind of stood back at that point. He recognized that there was no hope for him to go home that day. And as we were leaving and I got all the things done, I sent the little boy on with the foster home and they waved goodbye. And we don't know if they'll ever see each other again and we hope in a way that they don't because that's a good thing if they find foster homes. They don't have to leave. But the young man looked at me again and we were talking while we were filling out the paperwork and I asked him how old he was and he said, I'm 12. 
And I said, how long have you been here? He said, a long time. And he told me about how he had been in foster home for a while, and then he went back home. And then he came back into foster care. And um, he said, my foster home that I was in before is trying to get me back. But they don't have all their stuff together to be able to get me to get back. So we're trying. But I really want a home. And I said, I know you do, sweetie, and I will pray that God will open that home right away for you. And he looked at me as I was leaving after our conversation, and he goes, excuse me, ma'am. And I said, yes. He goes, how long will it be before you have a home for me? And I said, I don't know. But I promise everybody I talk to, I will tell them that you're here waiting on a home. So that's my mission. My mission is to never need a shelter in the state of Oklahoma. My mission is to do like Colorado has, where we have families waiting on a list to be called. Some are waiting for months and some are waiting days for a call to say, yes, we need your home. My dream is to have so many foster homes ready to take that child whenever they call that we can pick the very best home for that child. Maybe someone right in their own community where they don't have to change schools. Maybe in your own church. Maybe it's the child that is on your son's soccer team. I had one friend who said she went to the shelter with her church, and she saw some boys that she had seen at her church previously at the shelter, and she said, hey, we weren't supposed to bring our kids to this. They were going to go do an egg hunt for the children at the shelter. And she said, why did they bring their kids? We weren't supposed to bring kids to this because of confidentiality. And then a few minutes later, it dawned on her those boys were in her church, but they were now in the shelter as a, as a client, not there to serve other children. And she said it was very eye-opening to me to realize that I could have been that foster mom for those children, and she took the steps to move in that direction. They can't necessarily sign up for a particularly ch particular child. You have to have a relationship with a child before they come into your home to be able to have them come to you. But we can let the foster care workers know, hey, we would really be interested in caring for a child with this age range or a boy or a girl or siblings or we can take two children or we can take five children. I know that's a big stretch, but it's realistic. <laughs> um, I would like to let you know about some choices that you can make. Oops. The choices you can make about the needs of a child. Just as the Stucky said, we want to help the medical fragile home, med medical fragile child. Some of our um, families say, you know what, we want to help teenagers. We don't want to go back to diapers again. Some of them say, we really only want to do infants. And that's where you can make some choices. But you can also look at the behaviors of a child. We have a whole checklist that we fill out to be able to make sure that we have a good fit for your home. And like I said, we pray about the right fit. We want to let you know we'll be here the whole way. Circle care comes all the way around, and that's what the support part comes in. We have in Tulsa on our Francis Willard campus a huge co-op, and it's always full of clothes and furniture and toys that are available for our foster families. So if you're saying, yeah, I'd love to do this, but I gave away all my baby stuff, that's okay. We have more. Um, if you're the one that's saying, hey, my house is really full, like we can't fit another kid in my house, but I have clothes that we've outgrown or the toys the kids aren't playing with that are still in good shape, Bring it over. We will be delighted to share that with a foster family. Our, our support services go beyond just the, the things we can hand you, but I brought example with me a welcome basket, and it's the back of the sanctuary, so I'd like you to look at it later on. 
but I'll kind of give you an overview of what we put in our welcome baskets. They start with a tub so they can have something to carry with them. A lot of our children, when they come to our homes, come with a Walmart sack or a trash bag. Not a piece of luggage, nothing special to be packed their things in, but just a sack. And so we put everything that we give them in a tub. At least that's something special that they can carry. They all have a Bible in them, and I can tell you right now, we are desperately low on Bibles for children. We have some teenager Bibles, but our other little people Bibles are we're depleting quickly, especially right now because every holiday season, more kids come into care. And then we also have a stuffed animal and a blanket, and then we also put a photo album in there. And people ask me, why a photo album? And I explain, because if you can imagine when you come into care, that point in life kind of stalls as far as the picture taking. And then if they go back to their family or if they get adopted, then those pictures are just as important. I remember as a child looking at my photo album and just ooing and aahing over stories that almost became like I could remember them because of the pictures and mom and dad telling those stories over and over. But our children in foster care a lot of times miss that gap. And so when they're older and they're having their high school graduation and everybody's got their little infant or little bitty kid pictures up, they don't have one to put up. Their, oldest, their youngest picture is when they're 10 years old. And so that's what we want to prevent. We have the families a welcome. Whenever we give the welcome basket, we give the photo album so that the child's pictures can be put in there. And then we can send that on if they go back home or if they go to an adoptive home. Our, our, one of our gifts that people can do is if you're a scrapbooker and you like to make up some blank scrapbook pages, and they do not have to be fancy. I've used three ring binders and just make up some blank pages that can be ways to just put a picture on it, and it makes it so special for our children. Then we also have our different parties we do. In a couple weeks, we're having our giant Christmas party. And I tell you, this is one of my favorite times of year because kids have experienced Christmas for the first time with us. It is so special to see their faces and the excitement that they have. We have a party where every child, whether they're foster, adopted, or birth, get a gift and a stocking. And that's just a fun way to be able to celebrate Christmas. But what we do in that commercialized size is wrap around the, the story of Jesus. We have a story time, and we tell about the story of Jesus and why we give gifts is an example of how God gives his gift to us. And we have um, an angel tree that we do for our families. Because if you can imagine... You take in a child on the 20th of December and you go to the store to buy presents, you're not going to find much selection. And so when we have our angel tree, we do it specific for every child. And then if that child's still in the home on Christmas Day, they get the gifts that were purchased for them. But then we also have some general gifts that we have that we use in our welcome basket room that we fulfill any wish list for children in foster care. Because our foster parents don't always know what they're going to be shopping, child are going to be shopping for down the road. We have an Easter egg hunt and a summer picnic. Those are just free events for our foster families to be able to come and socialize. And we're always looking for volunteers to help with those activities. We definitely need help in doing what we do. I am one person, and for the longest time, it was just me doing this for the Tulsa Eric County. We go as far out to Wagner County and to Lake Keystone, all the way up to Claremore and out to Bixby. So we've got a big area we cover up here. And then we hired Andrea last year. So it's the two of us doing this, and we can't do our jobs without the volunteers. Share the word. I have posters. If you'll take them and put them where you go shopping or at your office or somewhere like that, just spread the word that we need foster parents. 
And then if you want to do a drive for us, maybe you would like to collect underwear or socks for a child so that they have their own underwear and socks whenever they come into a foster home instead of having to borrow some from the shelter. Or maybe you could help us with diapers or car seats. Or maybe you'd like to even purchase a twin bed for a child because a lot of times we, those mattresses get yucky and we have to toss them out. And then sometimes families are just saying, well, I have a full bed, but if I had two twin beds, I could take two kids. So there's lots of different ways that you can help on the support side. I want to show you a picture of our co-op. These are some incredible kids that we support. I think I skipped past the co-op one. But um, it's a picture of clothes and furniture and all those things that we provide for our families. There's one more story I wish to share with you, and it's Micah's story. I asked permission to share it because he's one of our boys that have been around since I first began. He came into foster care and went to one of my foster homes. Remember I told you a few weeks ago the family of nine came to church with me. Micah was one of the nine. Whenever he was in the foster home, he was raised as Kim's own son. And whenever mom got out of jail, she started working her plan and she got Micah back. And so they kept an open-door relationship. Micah and Kim, Micah's mom and Kim have been good friends for a while. And any time that Micah's mom needed some help for a babysitter or something like that, she would call Kim up, or Micah would just call and say, Can I come play? He missed his brothers and sisters. And so whenever he would show up, they would um, have some good time. And then whenever the time was right, um... Micah went home with his mom full-time. At some point, Micah's mom made some bad decisions, and she was arrested with Micah in the car. He didn't know what to do, but he knew who to call, and he called Kim. And the DHS worker took him back to Kim's house. And he stayed there for a long time more. Mom went to prison that time for the drugs that she was involved in. She came out, and she did her plan again through the family drug court, and she got Micah back again. And again, the same relationship continued, still involved in the holidays and all of that together as part of the family. And then the sad thing happened again where Micah called Kim and said, I need help. This time it wasn't after the police were involved, but before. Micah could tell he was getting older. He could tell things were getting bad, and he called Kim for help. So Kim immediately went to pick him up. Micah's mom realized that she was too far into it, and she asked for help, and she signed over guardianship. And he's still there at her home. Um, Micah's mom is facing more prison time again, but he and she both know that he's in a safe place. Micah was very proud to let me share his story because he knows that it'll help somebody else know that they are needed to be a foster home for another boy or girl. I could talk to you for hours, and I could tell you about so many more stories. But I want to challenge you again. What gift, what talent do you have? How is God calling you to help? Like I've mentioned, you can do a drive or you could be a foster parent. You may be not ready to foster full-time, but you could be one of our respite homes. You have to go through the same requirements of being a background checked and of all of those things so that when a family calls you, they know that you've been truly checked out and safe to send this child to. And then I have a family here in Broken Arrow that has sixth adopted and three fosters planning to adopt the last three soon and they require that they go out on the couple requires they go out on a date night once a week and it's made their marriage very healthy and it gives them a break to continue doing what they do 
and they need help with that. They have a babysitter that comes, and sometimes it's their daughter that's having to help jump in, their adult daughter, because they don't have the babysitter, but they would welcome more help. There are plenty of people on Broken Arrow that are going through this process that could use your support, whether it be a phone call to say, we'd like to do this to help you out, or you call me and I get the resources to them. Uh, one of our challenges we make to a whole church is would you do a parent's timeout where you host an activity here at the church to give the parents a break to go and get some coffee together or go home and take a bath without somebody knocking on the door or whatever it might be, um, just to encourage them and keep them going. I know that God has given you a gift, and I ask, what will you do to help the least of these? I'll be happy to talk with you about any questions you have or discuss this further. But um, someone did ask me before church about the welcome baskets. You can pack the welcome basket. I have the needs list that gives you an idea of what we put in a welcome basket. You can pack those specifically or call and say, what are you low on? Like the Bibles and photo albums we need right now. We have plenty of toothbrushes. No need for those right now. <laughs> but I um, would love to talk with you more. And then he said, well, what if I just give a cash donation? And I said, that's wonderful too. What we do is we take that to purchase those things we're missing. And I'd prefer you do that through your church so that we can make sure that we get that taken care of, um, the, the proper channels. <laughs> but I would love to visit with you more. I thank you for being the church that supports us. I know you as a whole church support the circle of care and the ministries we do. And we just are so blessed to be able to continue these opportunities. Thank you. kids. Wow. So much need. Uh, that's the great thing about being at a church. We get into this on our own. We can do it together. And uh, I pray that you'll just let these thoughts sit with, sit with you and let's be responsive in any way we can. Uh, we hadn't planned this before, but if you'd like to make a donation, feel free to do that just in the drop box back by the table of, of uh, um, Child Share Goodies there, right in front of the, the uh, media booth back there. If you'd like to make a special offering, you can do it that way as you leave. Just drop it in that box, and we'll write one check. If you'll write it out to the church, we'll write one check to Child Share and, and, and forward it in that way. Uh, but I appreciate your hearts. Uh, I know who's been listening. And uh, I just trust the Lord to guide us, don't you? Uh, who knows what may be next? Maybe the question for us is, what can we do? Of all that we've heard this morning, what's, what's something we can do to make a difference? Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you that, uh, especially at Christmas, when you sent your Son to rescue us in this world, that we would have the heart of our Father. We pray that we would have the heart of your Son, who promised us before he left that he would not leave us orphans, but that he would send us the Holy Spirit. God, we thank you that one of the great blessings of being a, a person of faith and a person who belongs to Christ is that we've already received for the sake of your, your gospel. Father, we've already received many times in this present life brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers in this community. 
Give us wisdom, Lord God, to know how to wrap our arms around these others that need our care. Give us courage. Give us your spirit. That with all else that we might do for these kids, that somehow we could communicate your embrace to everyone. We thank you, Lord God, that you entrust opportunities like this to us. And we thank you that by your gentle spirit, you, you raise us up to make us faithful. Put on our hearts those things that we can do. We ask it in your son's name. And all God's people said, amen. Would you stand this morning and let's close with this song. God bless you for being here at Abiding Harvest this week. Next week we'll be starting our Advent series. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Real Hope, Not Hype is the name of our Christmas series. It's going to be great fun. We'll be reaching out in many ways through the Christmas season. I know you'll want to be a part of it. Let's sing one last song to our Lord and Savior as he sings over us. Thanks.